This is I Don't Care If You Listen Podcast with my mom, Sean, and my auntie, Leonica. This is episode 27. Hope you had a great day. See you tomorrow. Bye. So how often do you take your own blood pressure? Yeah, I'm going to monitor. Oh, wow. So what do you do? You take it in the morning? Just to, So morning you're saying it's high. Mm-hmm. And then when I got home from work. What could be causing it? Um, I'm wondering if it's stress, life stress, work stress. I'm like super empathetic, too empathetic maybe. Right. So I absorb energies. And like you said, there's, there's a lot of depression. There's a lot of cancer. There's a lot of illness in the world, a lot of poverty and injustice. You soak it all in. <laughs> right, right. You're only right. supposed to soak in the good stuff. You're not supposed to soak in the bad stuff. You're supposed to put some version of a block on your body to say, no, body, you cannot absorb the bad stuff. You can only absorb the good stuff. I don't think it's that. I think it's not releasing the negative energy because I don't want to put any more into the world. Ah, I got you. So I probably need to just let that stuff go. And just let it out because I hold so much in and people are intimidated with what I let out. But shh, I got to let it all out. It, it it just has to come out. I, I love it. Even when I'm in a decent mood and I feel like I'm being really friendly, I still get told, oh, well, you're, you know, you're this and you're that. And I was like, but I thought I was in a totally fine mood. I was just being really communicative. I didn't realize that my communication came across as something you did not like. But I get that. I get that a lot. My mom, my dad, my husband, they always tell me stuff like that. Like, oh, well, you know, if I just talk like me, regular me, and everybody's, you know, I got an attitude and I'm angry or whatever, whatever. I don't even feel like it. Oh, man. You must be a black woman. Must be. Angry black woman. I had a lady tell me yesterday, I had a lady tell me yesterday, you remind me of somebody who just should have been born 30 years old earlier as a hippie or something. I was like, okay, I, I think. I don't know what that means, but thank you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't know what that meant. I don't know, what I don't know either. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Some people, you, you either really love the hippies or you hate the hippies. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which side are you on? The hippie loving side or the not hippie loving side? Exactly. Uh, I don't know. Well, we, you know, we've, we've spent, you know, a few episodes really being in our heads about everything, but I feel like it's more of the same. I, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse, but man, oh man, there's a lot of crazy-ish going on and it's hard to deal with. It is a lot right now, Shell. The news is off the hook. This is our platform to discuss it, right? This is where we discuss it. I don't care if you listen episode 27. This is where we figure out what's what, how's what, or at least figure out how to cope with what's what and how's what. Well, we've been doing this for more than six months and... 45 is still 45. There is no 46 yet, which means there has been no impeachment. I asked Chris today, I said, what do you think is taking Robert Mueller so long? Why can't he just make this stop? The whole time he's investigating, Trump is doing more dirt. Like, why can't we make it stop? And he, and Chris, you know, he made the point, and it's true. Like, they've got, they can't 
come at this more than once. So they've got to come at it right all the way, no questions, all the holes, you know, filled in, all the I's dotted and the T's crossed. But I just feel like, man, oh, man, in the meantime, he's just doing a lot of damage. This tax situation, you know, you got news about a lot of people now who are real. It's tax season. So a lot of people now that are realizing what the Trump tax, his tax reform situation is all about, his tax reform. I've heard conversations about they increased the um, standard deduction. They doubled it. There's less opportunities for people to itemize. This is according to Yahoo. While most of us will be putting off tracking down our W-2s until early April, some people have already managed to file their taxes. Among those early birds, many in the middle class have been shocked to find out instead of a nice little chunk of change they were expecting with their turn, they're actually owing money to Uncle Sam. Um, It all comes from President Trump's tax reform, which was passed in 2017, was touted by Trump and the GOP as a win for the middle class. But with the new tax system now in place, Americans are discovering that most of the tax relief from the bill is actually being experienced by corporations. Meanwhile, many people are seeing an increase in taxes due to the bill eliminating many of the deductions that were used by middle class families in order to lower the amount of taxes they were required to pay. Most notably, the tax reform placed a cap on deductions for taxes on both state and local levels. Look up the hashtag uh, GOP tax scam stories if you're interested in what people are saying. Hashtag GOP tax scam stories. It's trending on Twitter right now. I'm a Republican voter. I just did our taxes. The GOP tax bill cost my family thousands of dollars this year on our return due to changes thereby hitting us with the largest tax increase of our lives. We are middle-class homeowners, and you raised our taxes. Infuriating. Um, At Real Donald Trump, I trusted and voted for you now, screwed by you. I fall just above a tax bracket. I don't get the 5000 return I've gotten the last three years, money my family depends on to start us over. I served my country honorably. I will not make the same mistake twice. 2017... Taxes equals $5,408 refund. Unchanged salary, unchanged withholding. 2018 taxes equals $440 owed to the IRS. I am middle class, single, with an $83,000 income. GOP tax scam stories. Mm. Last year I got a ta- another one. Last year I got a tax refund. This year with unchanged salary, I owe $1,300. i am middle class, yet the very wealthy got huge cuts. Thanks, Republicans. So I think you, I mean, they go on and on. They go on and on, really. There's, it's never ending. POTUS, thank you for screwing the middle class with your tax reform. I have never in my life, I'm 49 years old, had to pay the IRS until this year. We have a combined income of 150k. The middle class voted for you. I will not make the same mistake twice. I don't mean to laugh. And but this time I don't know if I'm laughing because it's irony or if I'm laughing because I'm laughing. They didn't what, think it was going to affect them. That's why we have this podcast cuz if they would have listened to me, I would have told them that they were the ones he was going to target. If you listen to any level-headed individual in this country, they said his entire base are low-income and middle-class people. They didn't see themselves as targets. They didn't think this was going to target them. They thought that he was just racist. 
They were fine with the kids in the cages. They were fine with the Muslim ban. They were fine with that stuff because it didn't affect them. And they're still fine with the tax reform that he put into law until right now, until we start seeing the real effects of it. And now they're seeing the real effects and they're like, whoa, this actually does affect us. We haven't filed taxes yet, but I had some of my staff tell me, too, that they got lower returns than what they have in previous years, which is sad because they're trying to start families and they work really hard for not a lot of pay and they deal with some very difficult life issues. So, Trump, I'm sending you a big middle finger. Mm-hmm. From Leonica, the <laughs> lovely one, Irwin. <laughs> and we don't care if you listen. Episode 27. I don't care if you listen. Mm-mm. You won't be in the same position for too much longer. I promise you that. I promise you that. We're just documenting our disgust. Just day by day documenting our disgust. I definitely think there's a larger effect on people's emotions and people's sense of security. I think there's a much bigger result than anyone's really willing to say. Tax returns is American way of life. Yeah. We count on that. And unfortunately, that is our fault because that's not what a tax return is. That's not what taxes are intended to do. It's not supposed to be a savings account. No. People. But I mean, then you get the whole conversation of, you know, why, why should we have universal health care? I mean, so that... We can all live decent lives so that we're not going broke just to take care of our health. Like, that is, in and of itself, so un-American. But, yeah, you're right. Like, people count on this tax return money as vacation money or gift money or, you know, money to, to, to pay down loans or whatever. But To buy a major purchase yeah you know, washer and dryers sure. this is my down payment for my car this is to catch up on the christmas money that i shouldn't have spent or right right and that's what most people do is they float their finances if they're on credit cards etc they're floating their finances till it's tax return season they get money back and they might have a rude awakening this year thanks to the tax reform bill that was signed last year he got his tax reform he didn't get his wall isn't it great he's making america so great so great so great. I mean, I have never. I mean, the greatness is just, you know, it's so much greatness. I can barely handle all the greatness that it is. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, I cannot handle all the greatness that it is, actually. Um, did you watch? I know you didn't watch. I, I didn't watch either. We didn't mm-hmm. watch. <laughs> My dad told me, he's like, you should watch so you can pay attention. I couldn't. I can't. I can't. It, it, for me, it's hard enough watching all of those relatively sane people sit around and listen to them. So, like I said, on Monday, my blood pressure was really high when I went to the doctor's office. So there was no way I was going to listen to that because I think his politics contribute to that too. And my overall stress level and my viewpoint about life so therefore my daily activities my eating choices i mean i I, i've been eating comfort food (coughs) 
Yeah. And like I said, I just can't, like the year he went in office, I was so active. It was like the most active year of my life. And since then, it's like, oh, I don't even want to get out of bed some days. I know. I said to Chris, I was like, is it depression when all you want to do is just curl up and just lay under the covers? He was like, yeah, pretty much. I was like, because that's kind of what I've been feeling like I want to do. I don't have it in me. I really can't afford to do that. I'm not in any position to do that. But that's really kind of where my <laughs> where my desire for life is. Just curl up under the covers, smile at your little baby, tell him you have a great day at school, and just curl up. But that's not that's not how it goes. Yeah, not at all. Uh, what do you think about um, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez? I like her. Yeah, and I think a lot of people do um, because she's pushing, pushing, pushing. She today, I saw her um, along with some other Democrats proposing the Green New Deal to counter climate change. Okay. Um, which, yeah, you know that's my girl. I, had to, I gave her a shout out on TMZ. She she's pretty sweet. Oh yeah, you did. She she um. You, we never talked about your TMZ call. You made a call to TMZ. What did you? Call and talk to them about R. Kelly and what else? They came at me. Okay. Um, I think it was because of R. Kelly. I don't know why. I just had a message in Twitter and I thought it was fake. But I said, well, let me see. And it was real. So, but um, they gave me a list of stories to talk about. And I wanted to talk about her and Cardi B's. TMZ Live, Harvey Levin here. Charles here. So, um, the biggest star in Congress right now, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I don't think there's an issue there. She is breaking records in terms of views when she speaks. Well, she spoke to us, and she talked to us about a couple of things, including Cardi B's uh, Cardi rant against uh, Donald Trump, Donald and, Trump and, and the shutdown. shutdown. Right. So, um, we had a really interesting conversation with her, and it started with her... On the hunt, yes, as for she a has been, senator by the name of Mitch McConnell. Yes, as she's been looking for him for a couple of days, and we caught her uh, in on Capitol Hill as she was. It seemed like she was walking around looking for uh, Mitch McConnell. But here's uh, what she said about uh, the senator and also about Cardi B. Have you met with uh, Senator Mitch McConnell yet? about. 
So shout out to both of you ladies. Let's get information. Beyonce, where are you at now? Let's open up the government. Well, also, like John said, it should be uh, J-Lo, too. The three yeah. girls from the Bronx. Yeah. Uh, one more. <laughs> yeah, I'm really digging her. She's young, and she's in touch with the youth and a lot of the issues. So I, I'm... I'm really digging her. She's very vocal. She's got good choices in music. She's got great styles of clothes. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of people saying she's just too far this and too far that. And You know why? Because she's one of our homegirls. We was so kicking with her. Totally. We totally would have with her. You know, she um was looking pissed during the State of the Union address. <laughs> and I just saw images of her afterwards and I was just like, that's exactly what I would have been looking like. I really, if, if, if I ever was in her exact situation, I would be looking like, I am trying really hard to be quiet and ladylike right now, but I just want to get up and yell at this dude. I can't yell at this dude, but that's what she looked like. That's what she looked like. She shot back. Critics complained that she didn't show much enthusiasm while attending the state of the union address saying President Trump's speech was an unsettling night for our country. And she said, why should I be spirited and warm for this embarrassment of a State of the Union address? That's what she wrote on Twitter. Tonight was unsettling, was an unsettling night for our country. The president failed to offer any plan, any vision at all for our future. We're flying without a pilot, and I'm not here to comfort anyone about that fact. I'm like, yes! Stop comforting and coddling people and making them feel like, oh, it's okay, you know, with just this how it is in America. No, it's crazy. It is crazy. No, he is crazy. It's crazy that anybody can support him in that position. Delusional. But not just him being delusional. The people who day to day function as his underlings and treat him like he's just a sane person running, running a business. He's not. He's an absolutely batshit crazy human being who's on a total ego trip, and he's got a bunch of people around him totally supporting that. What's wrong with them? That's the problem. That silence was intended because the world needs to really think about that. What is wrong with them? Like, are they just greedy? Do they want fame? Do they need leadership that bad that they can't think? I mean, this man just, like I said, he is delusional. He said, he took credit for all the women in Congress. They were dressed in suffrage white. They called it suffrage white. Right. Like, he should take credit. It is because everybody's so pissed at him that everybody's like, all right, formation. No. Because a hundred years ago, when Sojourner Truth sat and said, ain't I a woman, do you think she was talking to fools like him? Mm -mm. I don't know. I think she was because she had to ask him, ain't I a woman? Just because the color of my skin is dark don't mean you can treat me any kind of way. I'm right. still a woman. I mean, she was talking to you know people like us about fools like him. Right. Who couldn't recognize the obvious. Right. But there's still supporters. He's still got supporters. This electoral college thing is going to be, that's the part I think that depresses me the most about 2020 is this whole electoral college situation. They're game players and they're chess players and they're down to play some chess games to make it messy again and do it all right underneath our noses again and trick us all into believing that it was fair. Yeah. Like he tried to trick everybody and say, it's <laughs> take credit for the women being in Congress as if it was a 
positive things. Like he led them there intentionally. Like they're coming there to support him. Well, he's insane. That's scary. Shout out to Nancy Pelosi for being classier, I think, than Paul Ryan was as a Speaker of the House. She still, I think, was way more respectful than he ever was to Obama, but whatever. That's just my opinion. You got that right. But because she's a woman, they think she needs to sit her butt down and go in the kitchen somewhere and deal with other matters. They are so mad at her. Well, I, I just hope we have enough organization to get make fix the bro- broken policies before he does too much. I mean, he's already done a lot, but you know what I mean. Before it gets worse. Yeah, before it gets even worse. Because he's going to break everything, and then we're going to have to, you know, spend time, energy, money, and resources fixing the things he breaks, which is backwards, but... He broke civil rights. Mm-hmm. He gave people an authority to display their hatred or their prejudices. It's ridiculous. It's, it's even more than the policies. It's the other influence that he has. The President of the United States called white nationalists very fine people after they murdered somebody in protest. That in and of itself was a moment where I'll just be like, how did everybody get over that so quick? I am so afraid that we are going to have to go back and have a 1960s remix type civil rights movement. Because he has given people permission to be awful, to be pre- yeah, to be prejudiced, to feel that they are supreme, maybe to feel sorry for other people who are different than them because they judge themselves as the standard of life. But the scary thing is, they have so much power to make decisions about people when they know nothing about their lives and have no empathy or sympathy for it. That's what scares me. And don't even ask questions. Don't even ask the questions. Because they know what the standard is. They know, they know the script, they know the role. And if you don't fit in this box and you're not willing to bend yourself to fit in this box, then something is wrong with you. Speaking of which, I don't care if you listen, episode 27, I'm Shalini, she's Lianica. We're talking about the world and the craziness that is our world. Um, Blackface. Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, State Attorney General Mark Herring, recently admitted to wearing blackface. It dates back nearly 200 years. Uh, White performers started darkening their faces with polish and cork to mock enslaved Africans in minstrel shows. There's all this talk about blackface now. And now there's, you know, all these other people who did it at one time. uh. And the Wayans did white chicks. Is that what you heard? Have you heard people say that? The Wayans did Uh white chicks? Uh Uh-huh. But the difference is the power dynamic. You know what I mean? That it is that, and it is. It's that's the big difference. Is anytime you've got a human being in that type of power, public power, their past behavior, especially when it involves this type of thing, should be considered. Should be considered strongly. Very strongly. So asking them to resign, I think, is totally logical. Um, 
there's some other people. Um, Drake, who was revealed to have posed in blackface when Pusha T used the photo as cover art for his single. Um, Gene Wilder in Shoe Polish in Silver Streak. Robert Downey Jr. in the movie Tropic Thunder. Jimmy Kimmel dressed as Karl Malone on The Man Show. Jimmy Fallon as Chris Rock on Saturday Night Live. A New York State Assemblyman Dove Hickend, who dressed like a black basketball player for a Jewish holiday. Um, Louisiana House of Representatives candidate Robbie Gaddy dressed like Tiger Woods for a church event. Um, talk show host Megan Kelly, who asked on her show, what is racist about blackface? Joni Mitchell appeared in blackface on the cover of her 1977 album, Don Juan's Reckless Daughter. It's a pretty long list. It is. And, um... Some of it's different. I think individually you have to look at who's doing it and what their motives are and what their intentions are. Now, I happen to have a friend who is Dutch and they have what they call center claws, mm -hmm. which is like, I guess Santa Claus or Santa's helper or something like that, who comes down chimneys on Christmas and he delivers Christmas gifts. And when he comes down that chimney, he's covered in black soot. So they dress up and put black paint all over their face and bodies and it's Santa Claus and they have a parade and they pass out candy and they eat special foods. And it's a whole cultural thing that when I saw her posted on Facebook years ago, I was very alarmed about, I, I couldn't understand why would she glorify that. But I asked my questions and I found out is, you know, this whole country has this tradition and, I know nothing about it. It has nothing to do with what happened here. I don't know. I had seen that before, what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just looked it up. And according to Wikipedia, Sinterklaas is assisted by Zwarte Piet, Black Pete, a helper in colorful Moorish dress and with blackface. Zwarte Piet first appeared in print as the nameless servant of St. Nicholas in St. Mm. Nicholas in Zinnit, published in 1850 by Amsterdam school teacher Jan Schenkman. However, the mind, you said assistant. Right. Assistant. However, servant. right. However, Anything that has to do with servitude. I, yeah. However, the tradition appears to date back at least as far as early 19th century. Zwarte Piet's colorful dress is based on a 16th century noble attire with a rough lace collar and a feathered cap. Traditionally, he would also carry a birch rod. Zwarte Piet is, has developed from a rather unintelligent helper into a valuable assistant to the absent-minded saint in modern adaptations for television. Sinterklaas has developed a Zwarte Piet for every function, such as a head Piet, a navigation piet to navigate the steamboat from Spain to the Netherlands, a gift wrapping piet to wrap all the gifts, and an acrobatic piet to climb roofs, roofs and chimneys. I think I saw the acrobatic one. And then it says, traditionally, <laughs> the face is said to be black because he is a Moor from Spain. 
Oh, really? And the Moors really came from Northern Africa. And then they say today, some prefer to say that his face is blackened with soot because he has to climb through chimneys to deliver his gifts for Santa Claus. That was the story I was giving. So. <laughs> I had seen that too before. So I'm glad you brought that up because that, that is one of those, you know, cultural ones where you don't want to, you don't want to sit there and pull apart people's culture but at the same time if something's racist and it's based in racism then it's based in racism no matter which culture you come from i mean i know how you want to keep traditions alive but you got to shut down the racist shit folks you got to shut it down you cannot keep perpetuating and propagating the racist shit all right make it stop cut it out cut it out yeah. i had to check my parent my, my parents say something sometimes that i don't even think they realize it's like it's no 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 me too shell i know me too. Like, I was grown before I realized you could not, you should not say, you Jewing somebody. Right. Somebody got Jewed. Right. And you have a whole dang on neighborhood called Jew Town that everybody loved to go to. So. I know. But then it was like, whoa. But the buck has I to mean, stop somewhere. Like, somebody's got to say no more. Somebody's got to be the generation that says no, no, no. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. The podcast with Shalini and Leonica. There's just so much stuff, though, that you really have to go and unpack. You and I had talked about the R. Kelly thing. And we had such different vantage points on that situation. And do you remember the story about Louis C.K. exposing himself, the comedian exposing himself to people? And he was part of the whole Me Too thing. He got taken down, you know. No, but good. Well, yeah, except for he was like a brilliant comedian, right? So last week, Chris says, hey, Louis C.K. is coming to town and I need to talk to you about whether or not I should go. And I was like, oh, yeah, go if you want to go. And he was like, no, we need to talk about it because it's a bigger deal than me just going to see a comedian. People know that he's done it, and I don't know how I feel about supporting him, but I do appreciate him as a comic. And I was still kind of like, go if you want to go. Like, I, I don't know, just go, whatever. But I don't want to support anybody who made anybody else feel bad or put somebody else in a bad situation. I don't want to knowingly support anybody who's done that. That means you can't support anybody. I mean, that's the thing is, I guess if you've done it and I don't know about it, then I'll still continue to buy your shoes or watch your movies. But if I know about it, I probably won't go out of my way to support no, you. No, not go out of your way, but dudes come to your town. <laughs> <laughs> It puts us all in a weird situation of how far do we go to stick to our guns? What does that even mean anymore? You got a pussy grabbing president. What are the standards? When will people, well, can we allow people to change? Or do we abide by that old saying, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior? So if that's the case, what's the point of forgiveness?
I guess I feel like I have only a small amount of forgiveness I, I can give. So maybe I just feel like I run out by the time it gets to those superstar types. Like I don't really have forgiveness left over for them. I'm busy forgiving the people who I really have to forgive. And that's a good point because they put themselves in the public eye and the public view. And they know that by doing that, every little decision that they are going to make is going to be unpacked. Similar to the governor who wore blackface. If you're going to be a governor, there should be certain standards that you should be held to. He should have disclosed it. Sure. I'm not saying he shouldn't be governor, but he should have said, look, let me tell you everything I did wrong that might make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, but I definitely don't think that any state representative and anybody that's representing a big group of people should ever have done anything like that. I don't think I don't think we can have anybody because I'm sure you can go through everybody's history and somebody bullied somebody or yeah to a certain degree but I mean what is the threshold I guess it's like if it's a superstar it's it's a comedy star it's one threshold if it's a sports star it's another threshold if it's a music star it's another threshold if it's a state legislator it's a different threshold of the type of class we expect them or the type of behavior we expect from them or don't expect from them right like they all have different measurements probably by different people too. Right. Who have different measurements and different standards. Right. Unfortunately, I mean, I just look at it like, again, I'm the empathetic person. Right. So if I wanted to run for president, hmm, what are people going to tell about me? What dirt are they going to say? Leonica did this and this. Leonica was at the motorcycle club. <laughs> Leonica. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, really, Lee, we did stuff and we did dirt, but we didn't like. Given what we've got as far as the standards, we didn't do jack or sheet. I look back and think I should have lived it up a little more. <laughs> maybe. Maybe not. I Probably would have been further along in my career if I had to push the envelope a little bit more. Really? Yeah, if I didn't care as much about like integrity or like being honest and truthful and yada, 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 I probably would have gotten way further ahead in my career. Oh, girl, that's all of us. I would be a pastor at a church, <laughs> getting all the tithes, all the offerings. All the pigs feed. <laughs> oh, girl, my pastor's anniversary celebration would be off the hook. <laughs> I remember at your graduation, you looked like a pastor. Your graduation from Albion. <laughs> you totally looked like a pastor. Yes, I felt like I was illuminating. Center claws, huh? Center claws. Ain't that some shit? Center claws. People always make stuff nicer than what the truth is. People don't like to face ugly. They don't like to face nasty. They don't like to face dirty. But the fact is, ugly, nasty, and dirty is, is true. Like, the nursery rhymes we teach our children. Mm-hmm. If you look up the history of... Jack and Jill going up the hill or the the mother 
who lived in a house that looked like a shoe and had so many children who she didn't know what to do and marrying her little lambs. And it's horrible, horrible, horrible stories behind that stuff. Ring around the rosy, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Anyways, let me get about that book real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Speak of fairy tales. Yeah, because um, we go back to, to you you de- determining that you had been lied to with uh, the, the Tooth Fairy and Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. And Jesus. And Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's all a fairy tale, and I would love to believe all that stuff, but I, it just seems like it's all another mechanism to control our people. I'm sorry. When I read that book and they describe my ancestors... In Africa, you know, they're called pagans. And I actually read the Bible and looked at maps to see where they were talking about. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's pretty obvious. It's a very racist book. And, and I know a lot of the stories that are in the Bible were reinvented from cultures that lived long, 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 long before John the Baptist. What does your mom <laughs> say about that? Your mom seems pretty... Does she go to church every week? Every week that she can. If not, she's listening, watching online. My dad is a deacon. My stepmom is an evangelist. Girl. They are horrified. Their baby girl is going to hell. They want me in heaven with them. I went to Catholic school... From the fifth grade on, I got told I was, fifth grade all the way through high school, I got told I was going to hell like every other week. Mm, well. Every other week. So, I'll see you there, girl. I'll girl, there. living it up. <laughs> I will see you there. I just, you know, I don't believe in that either. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's so your mom. Yeah, that's got to be she's she's got to be on your case about that, huh? No, not really. Now in Albion, because I did, I I lost my religion in Albion too for a minute. Yeah, you know, I was falling into philosophy and Buddhism and Hinduism and um, Islam. Anything I, I was researching all the religions and you know I was like forget all this and she was like you'll come back and then she got cancer and I had to figure out a way to cope so I decided I needed to go back to church and really put myself into it so I read the bible and I hated the King James version so I got the new King James version and then I got the NIV version and I got the Oh, I don't know how many translations, and they all read the same, that I was a woman and I should shut up in the church or assembly or any large organization. So, therefore, that right there says, this is not for me. Right. And people have a hard time understanding that, but I'm like, I'm sorry. They came and took my ancestors from another country and said, you worship this God, and you fear him and do as I say. And they weren't behaving in ways that were reflective of that God that they told us to worship and serve. And I don't see where it's doing them any good now or us any good now because (laughs) I just don't, there's cancer, there's war, there's hatred, there's haters. 
But remember, it's like we said last time. I mean, not to, not that God, you know, whatever your take on God and spirituality is, it is. But there's a lot of beautiful stuff in life to appreciate. You mm-hmm. know, a lot, a lot, a lot. And anytime I do feel down and out or I am getting overwhelmed with all the yuck, I have to go back to that as well. There is a lot of good stuff. Like, and there are a lot of miraculous things and a lot mm-hmm. of amazing joys that if that's what you call God, then yes, then I, uh, I'm one with God because I can recognize that there is a lot of awesome, but there's a lot of not so awesome too. Yeah. And, but I'm not going to say that's a double. I think right. people right. release right. themselves for taking responsibility for some things. Oh, the devil made them do it. <laughs> That's no, what it is. they wanted to do it. It wasn't the <clears throat> devil. That's what it is. It's taking responsibility. Yeah. And, oh, I'll pray for you. Oh, well, that's really going to help pay my electric bill. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you know, that's going to heal my soul after losing my loved one. The thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Just tell me, you know, I'm thinking about you or I, I empathize. I sympathize. Mm-hmm. My condolences. Prayers they don't help me because I read that Bible and I don't see those promises being fulfilled or possible. I wish though, I wish it was. And for those of you who do believe in God and pray and serve and worship, you know, so be it. Cause I understand you got to find a way to cope through right. all this makes sense. Right. And however it is that you do it. It's funny that you say that. Um, I went and saw this movie with my mom and dad when they were here, the least of us. And I think it was put together by a Christian organization, but it tried to highlight a story about a Christian missionary who was in India and he went Mm -hmm. to like, you know, he took his family to like the most, you know, desolate of, of areas in India and the villagers basically, you know, because they were, they were trying to fight leprosy and, you know, this missionary guy who would take in the lepers and he would treat them and, you know, so basically the people in the community really held him in a high regard until this journalist came along and was like, hey, I can prove it. This guy is making money off of every single person he converts and yada, da, da, da. And the villagers, you know, were up in arms and they ended up killing the guy along with his two kids. And the journalist never found any proof that he was getting money, that he was getting any reward for conversions. So the journalist ended up having to eat crow and like feel bad that he inspired these people to go hurt him. And I'm sure that there were a lot of people who had really good intentions of really taking care of people as missionaries. But I'm sure that's not all the stories. I'm sure there was plenty of you better convert or we're not going to feed you, which is not Christ-like in and of itself. But if somebody's over there helping women not get sex trafficked and children not get abducted. And if the way they're doing it is by telling these people about the Loch Ness monster or anything else, it doesn't matter as long as they're getting them out of those bad situations. I'm not there doing it. So if that's what their calling is to be missionaries, to help these people in whatever way, and if they got Jesus to help them do it, then that's more power to them because I'm not there doing it. I'm not rescuing girls from sex trafficking in India or, you know, children from being abducted. So whoever is doing it, whatever method or medium you're using, kudos to you. Yeah, I guess. You'd hate to think that anybody would use spirituality. That's how our, the world got colonized. Right. Through those means. So, uh, 
I'm all for doctors without borders. <laughs> I'm all for um, AmeriCorps. Yeah. But missionary work scares me. Yeah. Yeah. It scares me. Yeah. Um, I work at a religious organization, and I find that people who come to work for us to do missionary work sometimes confuse that with human services. Oh, yeah, totally. Pray, pray, praying for somebody to get food versus actually getting the money to get the food to give to them is there's two different things. Or if you don't think like I think, right? Oh, I'm yeah. not going to help you. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, or, that's a good no, point. Yeah, you don't act like I act. You don't behave like I act. And it's, it's that's pretty scary because, you know, they believe that they're doing the right thing because they learn to hold their religion and their faith in the utmost high. So you want to bring people, elevate them, right? But there's a fine line between elevating people and imposing your values and beliefs on them. True that. Right. And then yeah. that whole sense of like, well, I'm just here giving of my time, you know. If you were better, if, yeah. you wouldn't need me to be here. Right, right, right. And you should be thankful that I'm here to help make you a better person. Wow, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. And that's the missionary. Here, Here's your water. Here, Look at how many people we saved. Hooray for us. We saved all these people. They're Christians now. I don't get that. I, I guess I, it's the giving with the attachment. You give with the attachment or the desire for something in return, which may not be monetary or it may not be a thing that you it's, want back. You want somebody to believe. life. Yeah. Well, you want somebody to believe what you believe in return for what the kindness you offer them. Mm, I think they're only doing it because they don't want to go to hell themselves. <laughs> Serious, Shell. I think people do it because they're they want to help others, and they are told that if you you know treat others like Jesus says, that you will live forever. And people are very, very afraid of dying and disappearing forever. I said That's that. Why. I said that to my mom. I was like. You know, she was like, I know if I go to the other side, this, that, and the other. I was like, what if you go to the other side and it just lights out? That's it. What if that's it? Everything just shuts down. Power's down. I just, I, I believe we live on, our heaven and hell is our the memories and the genes that we pass to our children and grandchildren. I think our heaven and hell is our existence here. That's what I'm talking about when I say finding the good things and living for the good things and appreciating the good things. That's my version of heaven. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't think there's anything afterwards. <laughs> Telling you. <laughs> I'm not sure I do either, but when you say it like that, it's so like, sorry to tell you folks. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I hate I to be the bear. The way I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you know that party you're thinking about going to? Well, you see. <laughs> what had happened was it just went off. Well, and, and from what the Bible says, anyway, only a certain amount of people are getting in anyhow. <laughs> and we know there are 8 billion people on earth right now. <laughs> so it's already full. Well, Hinduism <laughs> believes in reincarnation. I like that. And that's, 
kind of me too, because you live on through your, your children. Your, I don't think you're going to be reincarnated to a, a bug or Why an not? animal. Why not? Because that's not where we leave in our DNA. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, so what if it is? So what if it isn't? I guess I'm not too attached to what happens afterwards. I'm like, kind of like, I don't claim to know. So I don't know. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. I'm not. Yeah, I'll take that. Anything's possible. But no, I'm not attached because nobody has ever come back that I could trust and told me what it's like. And so until then... I'm just going to go by what I see, and I see ashes, bones, flesh, hair, nails. That's what's left when people are dug up. When I said to my mom, she thought I was being morbid, but I was like, we should really work out our codes now. Like, so if you move on or, you know, you could at least tell me what's going on on the other side, we should probably work out our Morse code, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So we can know that I, because I, you'll tell me, you'll, you'll, what will you tell me? Will you tell me? How will you tell me that there is another side? There isn't another side. You came back as something else. Like, how will you tell me? I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. A podcast with Shalini and Bianca.